Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Good to see you. Uh, it's fun being up here again. Feels like it's <laughs> been a while. Uh, so it's uh, just love it. Love. I love this church. I love the privilege of, you know, every time to be able to be up here and share God's word. It's uh, it's awesome. So thank you. If I can, if I could just be a, a bit personal this morning by by way of introduction, um, I think it would be. Uh, you'll understand why as we, uh, as we get into the sermon today. And uh, some of you have heard this before, and uh, you're going to have to put up with me for a few minutes here as I do this. And others of you, this will be new. But it, it really will uh, um, help you understand um, myself and, and um, understand really, I think, uh, through this, uh, what, what we're about as a church. Uh, going all the way back, it, it was in the fall of uh, 1968, in my first month as a senior in high school, that, that I finally got on board with Christ's mission, with his reason for coming to this earth. And uh, now, right, right now, you might be going, well, that was, you were pretty young. You, it didn't take you that long then. Well, I, in my mind, it, you can never get it too early, all right? It's just, uh, and I'd been a believer uh, in Christ for nine years by the time I was a, a senior in high school. And uh, it, the, the change happened in me, not because of some dramatic event in my life or uh, some all, you know, all-time powerful sermon that I heard. Really, n- n- not that, but it, it, it came as a result of a decision that I made uh, in, that, in that same summer before my last year in high school when I decided that I was going to read Scripture and pray every day. And included in that prayer was a simple request where I, I was asking God to put his love for people inside my own heart. And, and, and not just simply God's love, but God's, love, uh, God's concern for people far from him, concern for their, for their eternity, and also their concern, his God's concern for their life here on earth. And, uh, and so I, I, uh, I prayed that prayer. I, in fact, every... Almost without exception, every evening I got on my knees by my bread after reading scripture, and that was part of my prayer, asking God to do that work in me. Now, to such an extent, and you understand, I want you to understand what this prayer meant to me. To such an extent that I, it, it, would, it would be so overwhelming for me that it would overwhelm my own selfishness and any fear that I had of telling my friends uh, that I'd known for, you know, throughout seventh grade, through my senior year of high school, tell my friends about my faith in Jesus, what they would think of me, that I'd, I'd get past that. That was fun. Look back and see how the Spirit of God changes you. Because as I read Scripture that summer, the parts that grabbed my attention, that really captured, captured my heart for, for the mission of Christ, uh, were, were parts of Scripture that I'd read many times before, but that summer, they just got me in a way they had never done before. And it was all of those times when uh, Jesus talked about why he came to this earth. And those times he talked about his love for people and showed his love for people who, who were far from God. And so uh, I, uh, I read that scripture, and I can still remember how they, how they got a hold of me that summer. And I'm I'm so grateful to God for that. Let me, let me give you one, one of those scriptures. It's, it's uh, 
Matthew writes, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Now, I can remember, it's just, there's a lot that I've forgotten, but I can remember reading that scripture and it, it, was as, it was as Jesus was speaking directly to me, calling me to follow him and to do the very thing he was calling his disciples to do, to go out and begin fishing for people. And that included my friends from high school. Now, I've always wondered what went through the minds of the disciples when Jesus first called them. And I, I you know, I... I wondered, did they, did they really get it? And, and as, you read through the, as you read through Matthew's gospel or any one of the other gospels, you realize, no, they, it really took all of three years for those men to understand what it was that Jesus was leading them to. In fact, not only three years, but his death and then his resurrection. Now, in these 40 years of, of being a pastor, five years in Wisconsin, 35 years here, one of the things that I've learned is that what was true for the disciples can be true for each one of us. As amazed and, and grateful as we are for God's grace in our lives through Jesus, that Christ dying for our sin, as, ma as amazed as we are and filled with gratitude for that, it's still easy for that gratitude to go no further than ourselves. For it to end with our, with our own spiritual need being met, instead of our hearts being captured, by Christ's love for, for spiritually lost people. In fact, the truth is, it's possible for any one of us to live our entire lives and not get it, and not get it. Now, I know that this was true for me for my first eight years as a follower of Christ. And I'm so thankful <laughs> that the Spirit of God began to bother me about it, and he really did big time. Until finally, in that summer, before my senior year in high school, I decided that, that things needed to change. My, my silence about my faith in Christ had become deafening for me. And I could no longer live that way any longer. And so, if you were to ask me what was the most significant time in my life, I wouldn't need a minute to think about it because undoubtedly it was that summer in 1968 when the Spirit of God changed my heart and captured it with Christ's love for people, beginning with my high school friends who needed to know God's love for them. I just love that summer, looking back on it. Because it led me to what I know, I know now was a defining moment in my life. And I can remember it, remember it as if it was yesterday. It was on a Tuesday evening after a football game where I went home, I went to my, my friend's house, my best friend at the time who was one of, who was one of the football players. And because I, I was bused about 25 minutes in from my, you know, the country where I lived to this to the, the big city church <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and went to a football game, so I stayed overnight with, with my friend. And I wanted to have that conversation. I mean, it was on my mind, I mean, big time. And so here we are, we're, we're, we, we go to bed, we're laying, we're laying in bed, 
and we're talking, and we talk about the game and, and you know, a bunch of other things. And this is just like, Steve, you, you got to do it. Tonight's the night. You just got to talk to Scott. And, and finally, I did. And we had a long conversation, at the end of which Scott said, said really nothing. I mean, we interacted back and forth, but when we were all finished, he said nothing. And I remember, like, wondering, whoa, I wonder how that went, you know. And, and uh, the only thing that made me wonder if it maybe had some effect on him is Scott was a big guy, and I'm, I was about to, like I am now, and, and Scott was just, he just, it took him a long time to get to sleep. He was, he was moving around, turning back and forth, and I was going, man, you know, wonder what's going on. Didn't say anything to me the next day. Not the next day, not the next day. It took one week, and then Scott said to me, Steve, I got to tell you, that night, I really wrestled. I struggled. I, and he said, but then I prayed like you asked me to, and I accepted Jesus. I changed my life. That was a, that was a defining time in my life, and and it just, it just changed everything for me. It just, it, and, and, and so what I did the rest of that senior year of high school is I had one conversation after another with my friends about my faith in Jesus Christ. And I got to tell you, as much as it changed some of their lives, it changed me. I was, a different, I was a different person the rest of my life. It's what motivated me. In fact, I gotta, I'll be honest with you. It is the only thing that got me to want to be a pastor. It's because I thought it's going to give me an opportunity to be able to do this, to do this even more and help other people to be able to do it. And I'm so glad, I got to tell you, I'm so glad that after 40 years in ministry, this hasn't changed for me. You always wonder, you know, what are you going to be like after you've done it for 40 years? Are you going to, are you going to feel the same way about it? And I got to tell you, I'm more passionate about it today than I was even back then because I know better now how much it can change the lives of people. And so I'm so excited for Brookside. And, and, and the mission statement that we have as a church, I think, it's, I think it's so good. I think it's right on. It's helping people find and follow Jesus. Now, right now, you might be thinking, you've been here before. Oh, Steve, Steve's going to give his sermon about sharing our faith, and he's going to show us how to do it, if you've heard that sermon. And, and some of you might be going, great, I love to hear that one. Or other, others of you might be going, oh, no, I don't want to hear that sermon again, you know, because that gives me so much angst inside, you know. Well, I'm not going to do that, all right? Might surprise you, but I'm not. And here's why. As much as I'm convinced that each one of us need to get to the point where we're, we're, we're sharing our faith, where it's a normal part of our lives to do this, as normal as breathing, as much as I believe that, I know that getting to this point begins with the same first step that I took as a senior in high school. Really, a step that's not an option for us and not one you want to delay until a later point in life. And so I'm going to tell you, I am so glad that I made, I took that, that first step as a senior in high school. It's taking that life-changing step that begins with saying to yourself, with God's help, I'm going to live a life that's not focused on myself. 
I won't live a life that stops with me. I don't want to live a small life. My impact will be far larger. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go outside of myself. It's going to go outside of my family. It's going to go outside my closest circle of friends. It's living with the mindset that where you, you want to be part of a church that will do everything it can to impact the lives of as many people as possible with the love of Jesus. That's what I want to focus on this morning. See, I believe with all my heart that God's given us a grand and great mission as a church. There's, there's nothing better for, for any one of us to be a part of. And I, I'm so grateful for every person who's brought Brookside to the point that it's at today, going, going all the way, way back to the first five couples who joined Becky and myself at, to begin a church in an elementary school that was pretty much on the west edge of Omaha. Believe it or not, 144th Street and, you know, was pretty much, the, back in the 80, 1981, pretty much the west edge of Omaha. To everybody else since, all of you and all the people who have been a part of Brookside and who have moved away, you know, I am so grateful to God for every person who's helped Brookside be what it is today. And I'm excited about the potential this church has for reaching people with a message of God's grace. And as much as I began dreaming 35 years ago about Brookside's future, I'm, I'm just going to keep on dreaming about what God's got in store for this church in the years ahead. So there's two things that I'd like us to see this morning that give us every reason to have confidence in what we're about as a church. Why for the city is exactly the right thing for us to be. Not only, not only for the city, but for people all over, all over this world. And first, it's the heart of Christ for, for spiritually lost people. It's that he cared for them. And secondly, that it's based on the mission that God's given us. So, first of all, Christ's love for spiritually lost people. Now... It's fun to imagine, at least I've, it's fun for me to think about, and it might be for you, what it was like for the 12 men who first followed Jesus. <laughs> you read through the Gospels, and you see that it literally rocked their world. It turned it upside down. And I'm convinced that what changed, changed these men so much was seeing Christ's love for people that, that, that everybody else loved to hate. People, the disciples likely despised themselves as much as everybody else did. In fact, you may not know this, but those 12 men, when they all got together and they realized who they were going to be with for the next, you know, who knows, they didn't know how many years, but be following Jesus together, I'm sure that some of those men looked at each other and said, how did we get here together? I mean, how did this even happen? Because I don't like you. Well, I don't like you either. I mean, these guys, they, they were not all part of the same, you know, the same group when they, they got together, all right? Not, a, not at all. For example, Matthew. Matthew, as a tax collector, was included in a group of people most people hated in Israel because of what they had going with the Roman government. They... they Rome told them to collect this amount of tax, and if they, if they wanted to, they could collect as much as they wanted and keep the excess for themselves. Well, you can, you can understand why nobody liked them. And I bet the rest of the disciples, when they saw Matthew, didn't like him that much either. 
If you're on our 365 journey, reading through the Bible, this past Monday you read the ninth chapter of Matthew's Gospel. And it's in this chapter that Jesus called Matthew to follow him. And one of the first things Jesus did with his most recent disciple was have dinner with him at Matthew's home with his closest friends, which, which, which included his fellow tax collectors and other friends described as sinners. It's a, it's a short four verses, and, but, but I love the insight they give us to the heart of Jesus. And, and so, which we see when the Pharisees, the religious leaders, show up and they start complaining to the disciples, where they say, you know, what's he doing? Why is Jesus spending time with those kinds of people? And to which Jesus responds, this is what he said, and I, I, I could pretty much bet that this is one of the scriptures that got my attention back in that summer when I, when I was reading, reading scripture. Uh, it's not the healthy, Jesus said, who need a doctor, but the sick. He said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He's saying, I said, what, I, what I'm really looking for in those who follow me is not going through all the, all the motions of being religious, but being merciful in a relationship with other people. He said, for I have not come to call the righteous, the self-righteous, but sinners, people who recognize their own sinfulness. He said, those are the people I've come to this earth for. <laughs> now, I'm... I'm convinced the disciples saw this in Jesus many times. And they repeatedly heard him say the same thing about his love for people far from God. And they saw him show that kind of love for people. Luke described one of those times in the 15th chapter of his gospel. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's what led Jesus to tell three of his most well-known stories. The story about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a, and a lost son. Same as before, the religious leaders were complaining that Jesus spent time with those kinds of people. The moral outcasts, the undesirables, men and women, most everybody else utterly despised. And this is... This was really bugging them as they saw Jesus with these kinds of people. They're, they're irritated with these people who were insisting on spending time with Jesus, but they were even more irritated with Jesus. Because instead of refusing to have anything to do with these people, he's obviously delighted to be with them. In fact, it was obvious that he cared for them, and this really made these religious leaders mad. <laughs> And so they're shaking their heads. They're talking to each other in muffled tones, complaining that Jesus, who claimed to be God, the Son of God, was hanging around with those kinds of people. They did this, ignoring why these people wanted to be with Jesus and why Jesus wanted to be with them. Jesus loved them, and he saw something in them that was totally lacking in these religious leaders who were being so critical. They were the ones who were sincerely open to what God had for them while, while the religious leaders were totally closed. They came to hear Jesus because they were unsatisfied with their sin and they were searching for something that would give their lives purpose. And Jesus knew this. And so here's what he did. And I love it. 
He moved the whole crowd over to where those in the holy huddle were standing. And it's then that he tells these three stories about lastness, all, all three revealing God's love and, and God's compassion for, for people far from God, all three making the point that God doesn't sit, sit passively by while, while people are going to hell. God loves people. God longs for them to be saved. God pursues them and rejoices at the redemption of every lost sinner. I got to tell you, if you've never read that chapter and never, never read those stories, you've you got to read them because they make God's love so absolutely clear to us. In fact, at the end of each one of those stories, Jesus said that the angels in heaven rejoice every time one person repents of their sin and trusts in Jesus. That, that just grabbed me as a kid. What Jesus said through those stories he lived out in his life. And the disciples were privileged to see this again and again. It just, it, it, it began to change these guys. In fact, they got to the point that they realized that they were as much a sinner as anybody else and needed God's grace. And then Jesus is crucified, turns their world upside down, then and then three, three days later, he rises from the dead, and it changes everything. They're, they're never the same again. And then he spends the next 40 days with them, at the end of which he gives them his mission for the rest of their lives, his mission for those men, but also his mission for you and me today. If you're on our uh, 365 journey through the Bible. This Wednesday, you're going you're to be reading the 28th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. And it's here that Jesus gives us our mission. So, this is what we read. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And, and, and then Jesus came to them, and he said... And, Here's the statement. All authority, the, the power of heaven, the authority of heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That is one incredible statement. We could have a bunch of sermons on it. But the part that I don't want us to miss this morning is the go part. The go part. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. You know what, everybody? Sometimes I think it's the go part that's the most challenging part of all. Therefore, go and make disciples, he said. He's saying, don't stay in Jerusalem. Go to the ends of the earth and tell people the good news of God's grace through me. You know, you know what started this? You know what made it happen? Persecution. Read the first seven chapters of Acts and you'll, you'll see the explosive growth of the church in Jerusalem. And then Stephen's arrested and he's killed and this sits in motion an all-out attack against those following Christ. 
fact, I wonder. I wonder if everybody would have just stayed in Jerusalem because it was so comfortable in Jerusalem. You see, I think, I think God made it happen, so they had to leave. And so Luke writes this in the, in the book of Acts in the 8th chapter. He said, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Everybody left except the apostles. And then Luke writes this in verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. I love that. Now they're on mission to the full extent possible. Not staying in Jerusalem, but going. And there was no turning back for these people. Their hearts were captured by, by Christ's love for spiritually lost people. And they just kept on going. And here we are. Here we are today because of that. So how do we apply this to our own lives, to us at church in 2016 in Omaha, Nebraska? Well, first of all, i gotta, I got to say it again. It gives me so much joy thinking of what God's got planned for Brookside in the next 5, 10, and 20 years. And I'm convinced that a huge part of this is the going part. First of all, each of us going to to those people that God brings into our lives. You know, we've, we've done this thing with, with For the City, the, this little circle, My Five, and, and we've asked you to write down the names of, of five different people God's brought into your life. And, and the thing to do is to, is to pray for these people, build friendship, relationship with them, and then ask God for the opportunity to share, to share Christ with them. So that's one part of our going. But there's another part. It's Brookside. Going to different locations throughout our city. Creating many churches like our own. And and when I say that, I'm not talking about ending our ministry here. We want to, I mean, it's a both and, really. We want to keep doing better at helping people Find and follow Jesus where we are right now on this property. I mean, this, this is an amazing location that we have as a church. We want to keep maxing it out. You know, whether it's getting smarter and better at our ministries or, or improving and using our building the, in this property the best way we possibly can. But it's also taking Brookside to other parts of our city so that we're able to help even more people find and follow Jesus, doing what, what those five couples chose to do 35 years ago. And because they did, because they left what was comfortable, hundreds of people, hundreds of people have found Jesus as their Savior. Lives have been changed forever by the power of God's grace. Multiple ministries are now taking place, not only within our church but outside our church in this city and, and all over the world. Yeah. And so I'm so thankful for those first five couples and for every person since. You know, last night, Beck and I, um, when the, in fact, it was the last thing we did last night before going to bed, 
we sat in the family room and, and we read some of the cards. We got a lot of cards that were given to us. Um, the Sunday church celebrated our 35 years together, all of us doing ministry together. Uh, it's just meant so much reading those cards and it's just taking us a while to, you know. But one of the things that as I was reading it, reading those cards, I was going, thinking, man, this church really has made a difference in a lot of people's lives. It really has. You know, and, 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 and I, I was just thanking God because it's, it's because of all of you. It's because of all the people who have been part of this church in the past. We really, together, we have been able to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. A lot of people coming to Christ. I sent a text this morning uh, to one of the guys and his wife who were uh, part of our church years ago, uh, and they, then they moved out of the city and have recently moved back, asking him if I could just share his story. And I got a text back from him real quickly and saying, yeah, you sure can. And so let me, let me just tell you something that's really kind of fun. Um, I, uh, you know, we, to get a church to where we're at today, where we, we start with five couples and, and you got really nothing. I mean, we had nothing. You know, we had five couples and five kids and hardly any money. And we had no property. We had no building. We had nothing. Uh, we didn't even have a piano, <laughs> you know. Um, it took a lot of people giving different amounts of money for many years, you know. And every single dollar, whether it's somebody giving one dollar or, or somebody giving a million dollars, there was no difference in terms of what it made possible for our church. I mean, every, every person's giving is what made, made this happen. This particular couple um, gave a lot of money. Um, and part of the reason we've got this whole setup we've got now, this new part of this building, is because... They gave a very, very significant amount. And, um, and then they moved away, and we, I, I, there had been about two years since I'd had a conversation with them. And, and a year ago, about a year ago, uh, I was home, my day off on a Friday, and I mean, I, I was not thinking about this couple. There was just not, not I mean, I hadn't thought about them for a period of time. And, and, and then in that... On that day off, all of a sudden, a thought came into my mind. Give them a call and tell them what, the, what, what their gift has meant in the lives of people. I mean, just, just, just like that, that thought. And I have learned that when that happens, it's the Holy Spirit who's speaking. And so I got my phone and I called him. And, and he, was, he was away from his phone, so he didn't answer it. So I left a message on it. And then they came back here. They were back here a few weeks ago in, in worship service. And I found out that they'd been having doubts about whether or not it was the right thing for them to do, to, to give that amount of money to one, one church at that time. And they, they were really struggling with it. Did we do the right thing? They're very responsible in, in what they do with what God's provided for them. He said, and so he said, that very day, I was really struggling. 
and I got your phone call. He said, I listened to it. And he said, it just made me, it just put me at peace that absolutely it was the right thing to do. And what I want to, I'm telling you that this morning because I don't want to let today go by without telling you the same thing. What you have done, the time you've given, the money you've invested, it's been worth every single bit of what you've done. I want you to know that. Now, when you, and you've heard Jeff and I talk about multi-sites, you might have wondered to yourself, why do we need to do that? Why do we want to do that? You know, aren't there enough churches in Omaha already? And you know what? There aren't enough churches. You know why there aren't enough churches? Two reasons. First of all, remember last year when Jeff talked? There are over 600,000 people in this city who do not yet have a church. That's, that's a fact. That's, that's, that's a, you know, it's based on factual evidence. Literally do not have a church. And it's very likely that those people who do not have a church do not know Christ. At least very many of them. In fact, you, know, you, know what, you, wanna, you wanna want the quickest test you can have to find out whether or not we need more churches in this city? Drive to church here on Sunday morning. Do you notice the difference in traffic on Sunday morning when you go to church versus going to work on Monday morning or any other day? This should be the, this should be the busiest day, morning of the whole week for traffic. You should have to leave early to get here, you know? Right? I drive here in the morning, and Q Street's almost empty when I drive here. All right? So I think you understand what I'm saying. The, you, know what, you know why else we need more churches? Somebody who's a follower of Christ might drive 20 minutes to a church. But somebody who's not a follower of Christ, I can pretty much bet they're not going to drive to a church if it's further than 10 minutes from their house. I mean, I just... It's like Lifetime Fitness. One of the reasons Lifetime Fitness works so good for me is because it's only five minutes from our house. If it was 20 minutes from our house, there'd be so many times I know I wouldn't go. Okay, it's just a fact. Okay? So, that's the going part. You know, and I got to tell you, I know it's true. It's, it, it would be so easy to say, man, I just, I just like it here, and let's just keep making it better here. Why do we have to go somewhere else? And so really it's changing our mindset where we're saying, I want to be part of a church that will do every, everything and anything to impact the lives of as many people as possible with the love of Jesus. And that includes starting multi-sites. All right? I get excited about it. I mean, it just fires me up thinking about the joy, the fun. Um, of doing this together. So I've asked Jeff, Jeff and I have talked, we'd like to just very quickly uh, take a few minutes uh, to answer, um, update and answer <laughs> some questions you might have. Okay, great. <laughs> Jeff, yeah. you know, we talked about this, so I know the answer, but yeah. what, what excites you and what excites the elder board and our staff? Yeah. About this. Yeah, great question. It really yeah. goes back to your message. You know, we all yeah. have those Scots in our lives, don't we? Those friends that, that don't know Christ. They're our coworkers, they're our neighbors, um, they're the people that we love, that we know that if there was a place that they could uh, 
uh, come to to uh, to worship Jesus, they would more likely do that if it was closer to where they currently are. And yeah. so it's it's all about people. That's what it goes right back to is us being able to spread the gospel as effectively as we possibly can in our yeah. city. So yeah, we we're excited to be part of, of that. It's yep. being smart and strategic. <clears throat> yeah. And so uh, some of you might be wondering, well. You guys are talking about it. What have you done up to this point to help make it happen? So, yeah. have we done anything, Jeff, at all? Yeah, we've done a few things. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> One of the things we've done is we've really put together what, we're call, what we call our, our kind of our multi-site playbook. And what it is, it's a compilation of a lot of research that we've done, um, working with other churches that are effectively reaching people through multi-siting. Um, it's also, for us, it really boils down everything that we'll do, from the programs that we'll offer uh, to the number of seats we'll have in the auditorium to the number of parking stalls that we'll need, everything, all of our AV equipment, all those decisions really have been already made in, in, in large part. And so we're, we'll be ready when the time comes just to hit play on that and, uh, and go back to those documents and, and really put them into action. Another thing we were able to do, Steve and I a couple months ago were able to meet with a, a landowner, uh, and it was a great conversation that we had with her um, just about a potential um, opportunity that may uh, come our way and so just kind of exciting uh, along that front and then the last thing that I would mention is we asked uh, a Brooksider to really uh, run point on helping us understand the area of the city where we're looking to to have this first site and to really understand the costs and the real estate market and everything that's happening in that area of town so that's been very helpful as well yeah I mean and on that whole thing, help us, you mm. know, uh, yeah, because we might miss an opportunity somewhere. I mean, uh, yeah. we got this property because somebody who was a part of Brookside brought it to, to my attention. Mm. I didn't come up with the idea of this property, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, God did, but, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and then, yeah. and then it's, it, there might be a space that we could lease or, yep. or buy, you know, like mm. uh, on Q Street down here. I wish it was further west. 156 in Q, hmm. uh, food for less or whatever grocery store closed down. Uh, that something like that. If you see it, bring yeah. it to our attention. Yeah. yeah. Right? And even just this last week, someone said to me, "Hey, are you aware of this building that was that is for lease? Right, right in the area of town that that we are looking at." And and uh, sure enough, none of us were. And so it's that kind of thing. Um, just uh, be open to how what things God might make you aware of, and, and let us know. That'd be helpful. Yeah. Yep. And factors. Uh, what determines or impacts our launch date? What, yeah. what does that? Yeah, three things probably uh, rise to the top. Uh, the first one is us having the right location. That's, that's a big one. Um, the second one is us having adequate funds to be able to move forward. And then the third that I'd mention would be staffing. And so we're really just waiting on God uh, for those things. You know, as we look back at this past year and everything that we've had going on as a church with our transition, with the building of uh, the care center, which we're so excited about, uh, we would say we've probably been a little overly optimistic as we looked at the fall of 2016 as a launch date for this campus. We're already late. I yeah, you a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, while we we really want to move forward as quickly as we possibly can, we also want to do this right. And yeah. uh, we know that we want to have not just one site, an extra site in the future, but we want to have site two, three, four, and five and beyond as we really have a strategy for trying to reach the city for Christ. So I tell you that because we really want to get this first site uh, done well and done right. And uh, we also know, too, that we've, in our For the City initiative, there are over 300 families 
that have said, you know what, we're going to give sacrificially above and beyond our tithes and offerings to this initiative. And um, we want to steward that very, very, very well. And so that's another reason why we're going to move as fast as we possibly can. And as God provides the right uh, location and the, the right staffing, uh, we'll move as fast as we possibly can. But, but we really want to do it well. So, yep. And so what can we do? Yeah, um, we mentioned this one, but boy, you can just really be praying, um, just asking God uh, that he would open up the right doors for us. Uh, you can also just be very aware of uh, different things going on in the city, you know, different properties. The story behind this, you dig into the history of Brookside, it is so fun to hear how God opens up these doors one after another to get us even to the place that we're at today. So that would be, um, that would be a big one. And then the last one I'd mention is just your generosity. Uh, again, over 300 households already on board um, with our For the City initiative. And um, would just encourage you, uh, keep investing in, in eternal things. It's exciting to think about what God is, is going to do. And so, so yeah, that, that's what I, I would mention on that. Yep. And it's all people. You know, yeah. it's like this morning. I, I woke up, and right away somebody came to my mind in our church. A uh, young father just recently found out he had cancer. And uh, he came into my office when he found out, and, and one of the things that just like just blew me away was how he told me the difference it's made in his life, hmm. and facing this time in his life right now, coming to know Christ, hmm. and Brookside is a huge part of that, and then helping him grow in that hmm. relationship. And in fact, I tried to find him this morning, uh, and because uh, I sent him a text back and I didn't hear anything, but that's what we're talking about. It's all about. It's mm -hmm. all about people, so yeah, awesome. I'll get out of here, Jeff. Yeah, Thanks. you're fine. At this time, um, we're going to take our, our anniversary for the city offering. We typically don't take two offerings in the morning, um, but this is a special time for us. And um, last weekend, I mentioned this um, during second hour, but we had an unexpected blessing come our way between services last weekend. A Brooksider came forward and said, hey, I, I really believe in what we're trying to accomplish with this For the City initiative and being a church that really reaches and, and really um, invests in the lives of people in our city and, um, and they said, you know what, I will match up to $300,000 any gifts that are given to our For the City initiative this weekend all the way through November 27th. And uh, church, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, and so I just wanted to make sure you are aware of that. We tried to get the word out uh, this week in multiple ways, but wanted to make you aware of that. So that's this weekend all the way through next Sunday as well. So you might be a family like ours that you're giving on an annual basis to For the City. Um, so instead of giving our gift at the end of the year, we're going to be doing that. Um, we're doing that today, or you could even do that up through next weekend to take advantage of that matching opportunity. So I'm going to pray for us. Our hosts are going to come forward, and let's just ask God, would he really um, bless uh, this, this offering and the work that we're trying to do? Lastly, let me mention this before I pray. We've got these booklets on your chairs and would encourage you, take these with you today, please. Um, they've got all the information about our For the City initiative, okay? So yeah, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Um, Lord, thank you that we can come here, that we can worship you in this place, that we can hear from your word. And Lord, this morning as we take this offering, Father, we just think about people. Um, it's all about people that you so dearly love and long for them to know you. And so, Lord, as we think even about our care center that's being built right now, Lord, I think about a year from now, a foster child walking through the doors of that care center and them being treated with dignity and th those kids getting clothes that they really love and it doing something significant in a practical way for them that will ultimately, we pray, lead to the gospel in their lives. And so, Father, would you just bless and keep all of 
the, the plans and the things that we have um, really, th- that you have in store for us through this initiative, Lord. So yeah, Lord, we love you and uh, we give this offering to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.